This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. We're, we've been experiencing some technical difficulties this morning, but uh, we're, we're making it. So <laughs> I know. I really appreciate. I don't know. I think we've had a shout out before to Caleb, who has to kind of engineer everything after we finish. And so... Another shout out to Caleb. Thank you so much for everything you do and for Shannon. We haven't, I don't think we've ever said anything about Shannon who sets up our interviews, but super excited about our guest today. Good friends to all of us, Katie Orr. Hello, Katie. Hey, hey, excited to be here. Wish it was in person so I could see (laughs) both of you, but I know, I know. Someday we'll be able to do this in person again. Um, But we wanted to just start the discussion. We like our guests to introduce themselves. So tell us about yourself and your family and your ministry. All right. Well, I'm a SoCal girl turned into a Southerner, I guess. You can't tell (laughs) that I'm from Southern California anymore with my accent. I went to Auburn University. My whole family relocated to Alabama. So when I go home now to see my parents, that's where they are. Um, I met and married my husband in Jacksonville, Florida, where... I had an internship to finish up my degree in medical technology, which I never use anymore. (laughs) But I loved my major, and that brought me to Jacksonville, where I met my husband. And we were on staff at Campus Crusade for Christ in college ministry for about six years. And then left that ministry for my husband to follow his calling as a pastor and started um, at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and got his first pastorate. And we've moved around quite a bit. Um, he also went to Southern and got his um, demon there. Uh, we have three kids, 16 in a couple weeks, which is kind of crazy. Wow. <laughs> um, my oldest 16 and then uh, 13 and 11. And so last night was the very last time that any one of my kids went to a kids ministry event at church. Oh, so wow. it was kind of like this huge, I mean, it was very uneventful, but kind of a huge milestone for yeah. us um but i'm loving i'm loving this stage of life it's very very busy i wasn't anticipating that but i love the i don't know everybody talks about how horrible the teen years are but it, it's been sweet for us so i'm grateful for that Absolutely. we live in central florida and i've mentioned already my husband's a pastor and um i'm also a new orleans grad i just finished my um let's see if i can even remember my brain's so fried right now what did mm-hmm. i get i got a ba in discipleship so <laughs> um i'm very grateful for that opportunity and i love helping women enjoy the bible I love yeah that. You've, you've done some writing and you've done some speaking i mean i know a lot of um people that i i know in different states have have had you and just 
they've really enjoyed just doing your studies and things like that. So, um, but we're, we're going to start the podcast kind of talking a little bit about October because we're going to release this podcast um, in October and that is Church Staff Appreciation Month. And so it's really good for our listeners to kind of know like what are some great ways that we can encourage our staff and their family, not just the pastor, but the pastor's wife, their kids, things like that. So uh, tell us some things that you think would be really in, a good encouragement to them. Them. Yeah, I per- personally I enjoy uh, experiences over stuff. Uh, we're mm-hmm. like that with our kids too, where we, in lieu of a lot of physical gifts, we will get like you know passes to Disney or something like that that we mm-hmm. can enjoy all year long, and that's their everything. Like their Easter basket, <laughs> they're their everything. <laughs> um, and so. I think the answer to this question will really vary from person to person, knowing who you who your pastor is, who his, what his family's like. But I think in general, I, I think anybody, um, whether it's your pastor or your women's minister or somebody, they are probably very weary, uh, probably physically, but especially emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so your kind, encouraging words will probably go a really long way just to, mm-hmm. to spend 15 minutes to to write out a card um, to tell them specific ways that you've benefited through their ministry um, and to be praying for them and let them know that you're praying for them, that type of stuff. And I guess that's what I mean by experience over stuff. Those are the things that have blessed me more than anything are the kind words throughout the whole year, not just October. And of course, Mm -hmm. it's always nice to get the gift cards so that we can go out to eat as a family and enjoy that. Um, and the baked goods are nice too, <laughs> but I think the things that most across the board, uh, I think people will, those that minister day and night are weary and they, the evil one loves to attack every one of us by what we believe and what we think. And so having those kind words and encouraging words to like in, in black and white, white on a piece of paper that we can go back to again and again is, is an amazing gift. Yeah. yeah, you know our church. Um, I guess it was well. We've done it the last few years. We've set up like actual mailboxes during the month of October, and people can write cards and just you know you don't have to put anything in the card. But of course, if you want to throw in some cash or a gift card, I mean, I'm sure they're going to love that too. But <laughs> we've done that as a family. But it it also as a church member, it gives us a chance to just sit down and think through what our church leaders do for us and to, and to be able to adequately write down and say, thank you. You know, thank you. We, we see you, we see the mm-hmm. hard work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a great idea, Kelly, to just already have it set up. So that way, cause I, I don't know how many people know that it's church staff appreciation month in October. Um, and so that's just an easy reminder. Cause I know, like I know it is because I work at Lifeway. And so we talk about it a lot. Um, but even I forget sometimes and I'm like, Oh no, it's already like the last Sunday in October and I didn't do anything. And you know, um, so I think that's a, a great gentle reminder and it doesn't cost anything. And so that's a, that's a perfect thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. We did want to ask though, if you had any super practical tips, Katie, for gift giving when it comes to church staff, whether it's in October for um, church staff appreciation or like a Christmas gift. I know like my mom always got all of her church staff Christmas gifts, which is something that I've continued to do um, or just like a random Tuesday. What are some like gifts that most staff don't want to receive? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, stu- just random stuff. You okay. know, like there's just <laughs> the random stuff that people give you that that you know, and it's hard. That's part of being in ministry is mm-hmm. being able to contextualize what did the person mean by this? And, right. you know, there are some that just bake, 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 and love that. And that's their love language. And so in some ways, the staff, you know, we're going to, uh, I'm not we, I'm not on staff, but, you know, as an <laughs> extension of pastor's wife, yes. I think we can usually read between the lines that this was really sweet, that they took their time. And I think that does bless us, mm-hmm. just that you thought about it, that you thought of us. Um, I think a lot of it's going to really determine might be determined by stage of life too mm-hmm. i remember when our kids were really little and we're far away from home and we have no family in town really practical gifts to us was certainly gift cards because we were in a smaller church small budget small salary you know mm-hmm. and and um so that was very practical for us those those gift cards or um they we were at a country church for five years and they were always so faithful every every october it was almost like a bonus and that really helped a lot and it it, it spoke to our needs at the time um but you know the the random stuff we've gotten some things that are just (laughs) very interesting but again you kind of have to think through okay who who did it come from and man they spent so much we have some woodworking pieces that actually they are they are treasures some of them were not from other people that were kind of like, what do we do with this? Like, I don't want to give it away and then find it at Goodwill, you know? Right. Um, but I don't want to throw it away either because you know they've put so much love into it. Um, so it's hard to say that, that people don't want anything um, right. because it, it's the gesture. Uh, but in general, I think, you know, something practical for that stage of life, beyond words, for sure, I think every stage mm-hmm. of life, but their kids are little, give, give them a date night or something. If yeah. um, they're in a more established church, and maybe it's not money that is the, the biggest crunch for them, it could just be time, you know, the the now that we're in a different stage of life with our kids being older and Chris's job is much more demanding, sometimes it's just that night to be home with nothing to do. <laughs> so yeah. looking at how can you provide those, those that relief of where, where they are right now, what would give them some sort of rest and relief? Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, I think too, you, you made a good point earlier too about just knowing knowing your family, like knowing the family. So mm-hmm. knowing um, a little bit about like maybe what they do enjoy to do, you know, together or what age their children are. And I've been in churches where I think it's been really fun to see a church, not just say thank you to the pastor, but really even to the kids, because there is an opportunity there to say, we, we get it that your dad isn't home all the time Mm -hmm. or that you've given up some things or your dad maybe missed something because he was busy doing something that was really important with the church. And I I think it's just an opportunity to, and and even for the wife to just say, Hey, we, we think, you know, we really do appreciate the things that you sacrificed for us. And that's important. So, okay. You know, there are struggles that pastor's wives face and then maybe they're unique. I mean, there, there are struggles that every woman faces, but there are some, little bit of differences for a pastor's wife. Could you talk a little bit about that? And then maybe just like, what does the normal person not really know about what it's like to be a ministry wife? Mm-hmm. Well, 
as far as the struggles that pastor's wife face, probably, I mean, they look very different depending on the context and size of church and, and all t- the, the, the type of church too. Every church has a different personality. But I think every, I think they all boil down to expectations, um, whether stated or unstated. Every one of us has expectations of what the pastor's wife should or should not do, should or should not wear, whether or not we realize it. And it usually doesn't come up until she crosses that boundary and you go, wait a second. Like, I had one gal that was like, you're wearing pants to church? And it was like, <laughs> why not? You know, like that was a boundary that I crossed of, uh, on her um, expectation of what the pastor's wife should or should not do. I mean, at least once a month, I get somebody coming up to me asking where such and such is. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that, that's not my job. I don't work here <laughs> and I'm not on that committee. And so I, I think a lot of it comes down to that expectations. We all, every one of us assume certain things about those that are in leadership and the pastor's wife, even though she did not maybe sign up for this or has it in any sort of contractual way she has entered into this leadership position by default and many pastor's wives they didn't want you know what i mean like that wouldn't have been their choice to begin with not to not marry their husband or to be in ministry but that specific leadership that just inherently comes to them when their husband steps up well, all of a sudden, they've got to be put on that pedestal as well, and they're killer. The expectations are killer, um, and I've you know you've learned you learn after a while to just expect it. But you know, I remember a church we went to, and there was a the interview process, and they were drilling my husband with questions, which was great. And I figured that some questions would come my way too. But one of them was. Katie, when you come here, are you going to be in charge of the children's ministry or the women's ministry? And it was like, there's there's so many expectations. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the undercurrent of that is that, that one, that I'm going to be in charge of something, and two, that it's going to be in one of these two typical areas. Um, it just so happens I do love women's ministry, and I am by nature a leader. But those things are not tied to the fact that those, those are separate. That's who I am without being a pastor's wife. So um, I didn't answer that question the way she wanted. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to be a church member first. And just like any other church member, it's going to probably take me a good year to figure out where my place is here. And I'm going to serve, but I'm not going to just take something over right away. Because just like anybody else that's new to the church, you would give them some time to figure out where their spot is and um you know she came up to me afterwards she's like i hope i didn't offend you by that like she really didn't mean it right in in a in a um nefarious way but there's things like i mean there's countless countless things that probably every pastor's wife could tell you that they've experienced and it comes down to those expectations and they can be it can just it can really get to you and it can be a weight that is on our shoulder um if we're not careful to be in a healthy mental space with that yeah okay Elizabeth, i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in another question here because okay. i'm curious um i'm on our pastor search team um, at mm-hmm. my church and as we get into the process of interviewing and you know we will definitely you know at, at some point meet the, the family meet the wife what would you what do you think we should like what should we set as an expert or what should we ask or how can we um, encourage her and love her in the process of her husband making this decision together as a family 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I can tell you what not to do, and a lot of it is what <laughs> I've experienced and other pastors' wives have, have experienced. I, I know several situations where men have not have been not hired or fired because of who their past who their wife is or what mm. she's said or done. Mm. And I get I get the importance because it is a pastoral role, it's a shepherding role, it's a and there's a biblical expectation that that pastor is able to also as as our elders, you know, to manage their household well. So the state of his wife's mental mental state, emotional state and spiritual state is important. But I think we need to be careful to never communicate to her um, that, hey, if you mess up, your husband's fired. And there's a lot of there's a lot of us out there that feel that way sometimes, mm. if not all the time, depending on the health of the church. I mean, we're really blessed right now to be in a in a very healthy place. But I have so I mean I I know I can count on on my hands how many people that I know of that like I said the woman the wife has said something and it is turned into a firestorm that ultimately um, led to his removal um, and so in what other <laughs> what other area of um, life is that the case I think there you know maybe some political jobs that are the case where they're going to look into their family but most people when they go get a job somewhere they're not looking at what their spouse does or does not do and so when you're hiring a pastor i think we need to keep it mostly to that pastor and his role and not you know if he has a rebellious teen or if his wife maybe you know has some of her own issues that that shouldn't um, unless he's being negligent in his job as a father and a husband, it shouldn't bear weight on his ability to do the job. Um, so that's more what not to do. And I, I think even just communicating to her um, that she's unique and that we are going to do our best not to you know, assume that she's going to do what the last pastor's wife did or assume that she's going to do any sort of role, but that you communicate we want you to come here and be who you are and who god has created you to be and we are really looking forward to getting to know you so that we can help you figure out the best place to serve in the church just like we would do for any other church member yeah i think that's very helpful and we're going to link in the show notes because you have written a few blog posts i know for lifewayvoices.com about um about pastor's wives and things that we may not know and would be helpful for us to know as we want to encourage our pastor's wives, of course, um, to just like you said, be who God has made them to be and use the gifts that God has given them in our churches. So that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to pivot now a little bit <laughs> because we know that another thing that you're passionate about is Bible study and maybe even more so about enjoying Bible study and Bible reading. So we talk a lot here about not making reading God's Word another item on our to-do list. I think we're all guilty of that at some point or another if we've been in church for a while. So what are some steps we can take to enjoy reading the Bible? I think that the idea of baby steps is huge. Uh, I think think we often crash and burn and this is true with a lot of other things in our lives like exercise or you know those things that are so good for us and we know we need to eat better or or you know read our bible more etc those things that we know are good for us but they are inherently hard um we bite we tend to bite off more than we can chew and so if you right now are not already in 
a daily habit of showing up and reading the Bible. Don't go out and try to do a one-hour Bible study every day for the next two months. Like you, You're just setting yourself up for failure. So I think baby steps are huge, and that, that really is helping us enjoy the Bible by managing our expectations of where we are and what the next best baby step is for us. I talk a lot in my ministry about the Bible study boulevard, and it's this kind of just idea that I came up with because I've seen so many women crash and burn and feel like a failure. And then when thing when we start feeling like a failure, the last thing we want to do is go out and fail again. So we just say, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of the Bible study boulevard is really, it's a, it's a analytical tool, I guess, a, an assessment to figure out where are you right now? And you know, have different names for them. And it starts out with being a builder. The builder is building the habit of regularly showing up and also building Bible basics. A lot of times in the local church, we we assume that people know their way around the Bible just because they've been in church all their lives, and most don't. The average Christian does not has not read through the entire Bible. The mm. average Christian couldn't find Amos easily. The average Christian, you know, like, mm-hmm. but we expect everybody to know everything about the Bible, and it is it is a it's a skill. It's it's a something that we're constantly building our knowledge around. And when we kind of have this unstated expectation of, oh, every Christian should know everything about the Bible, and we put that expectation on ourselves too. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, so it's it's really, again, going back to managing expectations of ourselves. And so look at where you are and what your life is like at the time. If it's in a busy season, then maybe saying no to the next Bible study is what you need to do so that you can keep just keep up with Bible reading. They're both valuable. We need both. Yeah. Um, so I guess that idea of taking baby steps by knowing where you are and what your next best step is and keeping your eyes on your journey and not someone else. I love that. That's very helpful. And I think likening it to exercise um, is a great analogy because I do feel like at least in my own life, a lot of times I am like all or nothing. And it's like if I skip mm-hmm. one day of my uh, chronological Bible plan for the year, I'm like, well, we might as well just, you know, throw that away. We're not doing that this year. We'll try again in January. You know? Yeah, um, yeah so- I call that the paralysis of perfectionism. It right. says if I can't do it right, then I shouldn't do it at all. Yes. And we I give into that all the time in my life, but yeah. it can carry over into my Bible study, too. And I think about even like moms of newborns. I think sometimes if they, maybe they had a really consistent time with the Lord, you know, before they had children, and then all of a sudden they are thrown into this new season mm-hmm. of life, and they, they really get down on themselves because they just think, I, don't, I, can't, I can't even take a shower. When am I going to find 30 minutes to go to study? And, and I've had to encourage, I'm like, do what you can. Like, do, yeah. like, don't put that that's such a good analogy you said because yeah we do we are such perfectionists in that and so we we beat ourselves up when when god just wants intimacy with us and he just mm-hmm. wants to, he wants that time with us and and sometimes that may be rocking your baby and singing a lullaby or mm-hmm. singing a praise him and um that may be the, the best time that you have with the lord that day mm-hmm. yeah to be, to be satisfied with the time that you you get and I know too. So you've written a book about happiness. So tell us a little bit about the book because it came out right when the pandemic hit. Yes. Yeah. 
And here you are writing a book about happiness, and it's like, great, and now we have a pandemic. So well, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, it's called Seekers of the Happy Soul, and I I will say, too, that I did not set out to write a book about happiness. I was kind of one of those that would be like, because I'd heard it so many times, God doesn't want your happiness, he wants your holiness, you know? And yes, there is the definition of happy that the world tells us, hey, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be happy. And no, as Christians, we, we, we don't want to buy into that worldly idea of what they, what the world promises is happiness. But I really was drawn to the Psalms and specifically Psalm 1 and 2 and just kind of did a deep dive study. And the more I studied, the more I saw happiness on the pages of Scripture again and again and again, starting right off the bat with that first word in Psalm 1 that most translations say, blessed is the one who. Uh, the CSB actually does translate it as happy, and that's the best translation of that Hebrew word. I am not a Hebrew scholar, but I read so many books, and it's interesting too. As you go the further back, you get back into the 1800s, and you know there the the people that we go back to all the time, these scholars that we love quoting, they say stuff about Christians being happy. And happy is the one who is with God. And mm-hmm. somewhere in our culture, we've kind of made that 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 word happy. Christians shouldn't pursue happiness. And I just don't think it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more I study in the Bible, and so the book is really a, a, a story or a a um, exposition, if you will, of Psalm one and two, looking at the blessed one, the happy one, the one that has the deeply that that has roots deep down and in, into the streams of water and looking at the, I, I saw six characteristics in those two psalms which is setting the psalm one and two were they're they're together literarily and they are an introduction to everything else that we're going to experience in the psalms and it's kind of like that that picture of the tree it's meant to be like that perfect family picture you know where Mm -hmm. where you you have that picture that you're just so proud of your family because it's like this this shows us happy this shows that you know this is how i see the joy of my 11 year old and the sassiness of my other you know like the just in all the good things that we that we love about that perfect family picture um of course none of us are perfect but i think that's why we love those family portraits because they kind of show us flourishing and that's Mm -hmm. the idea that the word picture that the psalmist is is trying to do there is like this is the perfect family picture of what the christian ought to be like this is who we are because of christ it's really part of our identity we talk a lot about identity in christ in the new testament it's in the old testament too and that blessed word that happy word it's part of our identity in christ it's a statement not a a command it's a it's a characteristic it's an adjective it's who we are god's people are happy um so that's kind of what the book looks at is it, really teaching through someone and two but also realizing that every one of us <laughs> has lots of unhappy days and um just like all the other things of our identity in christ even though i'm adopted and love and forgiven my inward my inward identity doesn't always match up with my outward reality and that's the process of sanctification of each of us becoming more and more like like christ and and unearthing the treasures that he's already given us and one of those treasures is that we are happy i love that and i think the statement god's people are happy people what um a testimony to 
who he is and um, his kindness to us if we are happy. I mean, we it's, it's a testament to the abundant life that he has given us here on earth for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is definitely, I'm sure it's been um, a challenge during the pandemic to live out those principles um, <laughs> because there have been maybe more less happy days than happy days for a lot of people and in our world. Um, but that is definitely like all the more reason to cultivate those um, secrets of a happy soul. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing about that with us. Um, our final question that we always ask everybody is, what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Well, there's lots of things, but you know, as we were kind of linking back to our conversation about pastor's wives, um, mm-hmm. There was a, you know, one of our, I, I just want to be careful what I say, but, you know, we had a, we had a difficult season in church ministry mm-hmm. um, and it, it lasted about 18 months and it was about three months into this particular church and it really swept the rug out from under me, <laughs> you know, like verbal mm-hmm. attacks, lies, um, slander about my husband, about me. Probably about, you know, 90% of it was geared towards my husband. About I certainly got swept up into it. Um, you know, just people saying you shouldn't be in ministry. You're a sheep, wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, just words that are really hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why I say, you know, you don't, you don't know what, what, pa- what your pastor and his wife has already been through. Because most of them are not going to get out. on If they're in a healthy place, they're not going to get on Facebook and air out your dirty laundry. You know, the words mm-hmm. that you said, or maybe someone else in the church that has been really unhealthy, because that's not loving. Um, so you probably have no idea how much emotional and verbal abuse that they have um, received. Sometimes it's unintentional. A lot of times it's very much intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... All that went on and it eventually resolved with you know it, it eventually resolved and, and it was just a couple weeks after that that something broke within me I think it was just I my body was now that it the threats were gone and then it was like my body was able to deal with it mm-hmm. um, and just something in me broke emotionally and I um, had anxiety attack I'm not an anxious person by nature but just had this public anxiety attack and it was very um it it was very humbling and I I don't I'm still processing it this was a while ago I was in I was in um counseling weekly for several months and um probably could still use to (laughs) go back once a month you know just to have that safe place but all that to say I feel like it really has marked my walk with Christ and changed I feel like I'm a different person there's so many times where I still have this this lingering effects of that brokenness Mm -hmm. and it's hard I feel weak I'm definitely scarred and I've I've always been a very self-sufficient strong person and um, now I find myself just completely not completely but often you know paralyzed by this these emotional wounds and it's it's horrible and wonderful at the same time because 
for years I've prayed that I want to be more like Christ. And I think we all want to be more like Christ. And we forget that Christ was broken and weak yeah. and scarred. And he experienced so much more suffering than this. And I know there's so many here on earth that have experienced so much more suffering than I have. This is small in comparison to what others have experienced but i've through this suffering is have experienced the nearness and healing of jesus not just while we were going through it but even more so on the other end of that of, of trying to heal emotionally from it and seeing that i am not the same person and i probably i remember saying that to my husband i go i just i feel like i can't get back to who i was and he goes you probably never will mm-hmm. and that it's crippling and it's good at the same time because it helps me identify better with christ and his suffering just like paul talks about um so i know that's not a very happy for sharing that because i do feel like a lot of people have been through maybe not even similar situations but similar responses um mm-hmm. physically and emotionally to situations I mean, even just this past year and a half, I feel like that is definitely a more and more common um, thing to deal with. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm thankful that you were willing to share that with us for sure. Yeah, thank you for just being so transparent about mm-hmm. that. And I just want to encourage any of our listeners who, whether you're in ministry or, or a ministry wife, um, that we really do hope that you will find healing um, when there's hard times and, mm-hmm. and that you have the ability to, to share with someone um, when things are tough. And so um, definitely that's one thing that every one of us can do during October and during our pastor's appreciation month is pray. Pray for your mm-hmm. yeah. pray for your pastor. Pray for all of the wives and pray for their children. And that is the best gift we can give them. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a really a big joy. And we've got links in our show notes to some of the products and books and Bible studies that Katie's done. We'd love for you to check those out. So thanks again for being with us today. And listeners, we'll see you next time. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.